Welcome to the Don't Get Hurt Twice podcast. My name is J. Chad Parker. I'm a personal injury trial lawyer, board certified in personal injury trial law. The podcast is meant to be helpful to you and ultimately keep you from getting hurt twice. I'll start this podcast with a story that'll lead into what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to tell you about a former client I had, uh, a sweet lady, a seamstress uh, by trade. That's how I met her. Uh, she actually would uh, alter my clothing, my suits for court, and we got to know one another, and she'd see me on TV in my commercials, and she had her own opinions, and she'd tell me that, uh, you know, I wasn't as big as I thought I was, and we had some great conversations, and I developed a, a real friendship with her, uh, and even when she died, I was asked to and spoke at her funeral, which shocked me. Her daughter called me after she died, and so she's got a special place in my heart, but her story is is perfect for what a lot of you good people out there may encounter. Ruby was at a red light in Tyler, Texas, like a lot of people, and of course somebody came up behind her probably on the cell phone, probably doing something else, and hit her from behind. Um, the light hadn't even changed green. So Ruby gets out, and, you know, Ruby was in her uh, early 70s, and uh, she was a person from the old school, a person with the kind of values that, you know, if you told somebody something, that's what you did. You didn't need it in writing. You didn't have to record them. And, of course, um, she saw a younger girl. Uh, who was somewhat distressed because she damaged her car, and it was her fault, and they had that conversation at the scene of the accident. And you know how it is. There's cars coming. People are honking. Get out of the way. You know, sometimes it's hard uh, to get off to the side, regroup, and, and do what you need to do. But Ruby, figuring this poor girl, you know, she said, just, just give me your information. So Ruby got her information. That is the woman that caused the accident. Ruby thought it'd be fine. You know, she'd call the insurance company, tell them what had happened, tell them their insured hit me, gave me her information, said to call. Well, by the time Ruby got in touch with someone, uh, a day or two later, uh, they were telling her uh, the uh, accident is still under investigation. Now, with regard to insurance companies, that's code word for we're not going to fix your car. We're going to make your insurance company fix your car. Because until they accept liability and an insurance company says it's under investigation, they say they have no obligation to fix your car uh, if they're insured, the person that hit you um, it wasn't at fault. So you can imagine how much room for mischief there is, right? I mean, in this day and time where people don't accept responsibility, uh, you know, really don't have a strong sense of what's right and what's wrong, um, think more about how it might affect them for them to even tell the truth, you can imagine how that works out. And that's what happened to Ruby. By the time she talked to somebody, they said, oh, we've talked to our insured, and she says, you backed up and hit her. Now, it almost seems preposterous, right? You got two people motivated for the same thing. The insurance company, they're willing to believe anything. A UFO landed in the parking lot, anything. Um, you know, the, the insured, they think that their rates are going to go up if it was their fault. So, of course, um, they're saying, hey, she backed up into me. I didn't hit her because Ruby is now a nameless, faceless person. Okay. 
that they encountered at the scene. Uh, and all Ruby did was take her information. And I asked them, I said, well, don't you think it's strange that Ruby has your, your client's insurance stuff and, and, and she doesn't have ours. And they said, well, you know, that's not what our, our insurer just said. It was, you know, she backed up. So ultimately I had to file suit. Okay. And when I sued them, the property damage wasn't a whole lot, but it was the principle of the thing for me. And of course I cared about Ruby. And so eventually they called me because the lawyer they were going to have to pay to defend this claim was probably going to cost more than it, than it would cost to fix the car. So they ultimately gave me the money. And because it was Ruby, I didn't take a fee. So she was able to get her car fixed, but that's a lot of headache for people and a lot of anxiety. You take a mother, a uh, single mother with a couple of kids and a car that won't drive uh, and an insurance company that says, well, uh, it's still under investigation. And then a week later, well, we're, we're still investigating. We hadn't been able to get a hold of our insurer. They can tell you all kinds of things. Think how much money that would save them if across the state of Texas, constantly insurance companies that had clients or insurers that were at fault Instead of fixing the other person's car, they simply just stood down and said, well, we're still investigating. Forcing your insurance company to fix those cars. Now, most of those insurance companies have what's called an arbitration agreement where they settle up behind the scenes with each other, with an arbitrator that decides. That way they don't incur a lot of cost. But it's still something that causes you to be literally a casualty of war, right? I mean, they don't care about you. Um, they don't care what happens to you. They don't care if you don't have two cars, access to a rental car. Maybe you weren't carrying rental coverage, and that's something to consider uh, from this podcast. Do I have rental coverage on my policy? Because if you get in a circumstance where somebody says, well, we're, I'm sorry, our insured thinks you, you did something wrong, or we're still investigating, can you get a rental car if your car won't drive? So always uh, think about yourself in terms of your coverages, of course. But the point of this podcast is really what to do at the scene of an accident so you don't get hurt twice. I told you a story about Ruby, how Ruby was in a position to be hurt twice. But for knowing a lawyer personally and her being a friend of mine, this would have turned out such that she'd have been ultimately paid, but my fee would have put her in a position where she would have not been made whole. Okay, and, and that's what I'm attempting to do with this episode is tell you things that cause you to think when you're at the scene. Um, what do I need to do? If I don't do it, what's going to happen to me or what could happen to me? And that may motivate you to do things even if they're inconvenient. Sometimes, yes, it is inconvenient to call the police when two people clearly don't appear to be injured. Both cars are damaged but drivable and you just want to leave and exchange information. Well, you do that at some risk because if the officer comes, generally people are willing to tell the truth in the moment. And sometimes there are witnesses that are still around saying, yeah, that's what happened. And so the peer pressure to tell the truth is much stronger than it is when they are interviewed by their insurance company over the telephone with questions like, well, are you, are you sure that you, you did something wrong? Are you sure she wasn't speeding? Uh, did you see a blinker? Uh, you'd be surprised, and, and most of you probably wouldn't be surprised, given the, the state of society today, uh, that people could easily justify actions that seem uh, really 
unjustifiable. Um, but again, I think in the world that we live in today, where you don't have to see people face to face, you don't have to talk to them, you know, uh, you never see them again. Uh, that's what happens. So let's get to the scene of the accident. Uh, there's been an accident. You get your vehicles off the road. You get to a safe place where you don't get run over and you got plenty of time to get out and see what's happened. You look around the car, you find out what's going on. You check on the other person to make sure they're fine. You ask them for their information immediately. So that's what they start doing. That's what you should do. See if they've got an insurance card, right? Take a picture of it um, with your cell phone, which I'm sure you have that has a camera. Um, you know, ask them their name. See if the name that they give is the same name on the insurance card. If not, ask maybe to see a copy of their driver's license. Uh, take a photograph. If there's a witness that's there that's in a hurry and, of course, doesn't want to stay around, ask them their name, get their number. That way, that could be somebody that uh, either you or your lawyer could later get a statement from if there was a question about what happened. Call the police immediately. The police, you know, bring to it a level of, uh, you know, certainty for your future. That is, you know, there's the standardized, you know, uh, Texas Peace Officers Crash Report. That's what most people refer to as an accident report. Uh, it's usually ready in a few days. Um, your lawyer can get it online. It's very easy to get, but this solidifies what happened at the earliest point in time before people can start to rethink what the truth was. So you get an officer there. He or she talks to both of the parties. A story gets laid down. The officer assigns a citation, if warranted, if a traffic law was was violated, oftentimes there'll be a ticket for failure to yield the right of way, failure to control speed, running a red light. Also, if they don't issue a citation, on the accident report, the officer will document factors that he or she believe contributed to the accident or may have contributed to the accident. So this is where numbers that reflect actions go into the report, like uh, failed to yield the right of way or may have been distracted, um, passing on the left. All these things end up, and all these things benefit you because they are the first impression by the person who didn't witness the accident, the police officer, but is trained to investigate one and showed up there as soon as possible. Uh, like I said, a witness statement along with that makes it ironclad for you. At least that gets you past the part of getting your car fixed, that is, if the other person has insurance. Now. I touched on this a minute ago, but if the other person did not have any insurance and, you know, you were just carrying uh, liability, then nobody would fix your car, even though it was not your fault. And so hopefully you had full coverage and rental uh, for, you know, your vehicle in that circumstance. The other thing to consider just as a side note is if you have a brand new expensive car that you financed and maybe you rolled an old debt payment from one you hadn't paid off before into that, you're likely going to be upside down in that car in the first couple of years that you're driving it. And they've got something out there called gap insurance where you can pay a little bit more and it'll pick up the difference between what an insurance company would pay you for the value of your car. And let's say you owed 3000 difference. Well, you'd be stuck with that 3000 in an accident where it was not your fault. It seems unfair, but that's the circumstances. You have to take the initiative. And so I'd consider some gap insurance. Now we're still at the scene and, and oftentimes the officer as a part of the accident report, which there are, uh, there's, there's a place there for this. It's called injury severity. 
and the officer has an opportunity to put an N as in none or C as in possible, maybe B, definitely injured but non-incapacitating, A, uh, an incapacitating injury, or K, killed, okay? Insurance companies love this because most of the time people are just shaking up and they say, no. Sometimes they say, no, I don't want an ambulance ride, and the officer will put no injury, all right? Uh, but if you've got any pain at all, I recommend that you tell the officer exactly what that is, regardless of whether or not you want to take a trip uh, in an ambulance to the hospital, because those are two totally different things. Most people that ultimately might hear your case will probably think it's pretty reasonable for you not have taken an ambulance, given the fact that, yeah, you know, your neck was just starting to stiff up after being unexpectedly hit from behind, but you didn't feel like you needed emergent medical treatment and ride in an ambulance, you know? Um, if you're smart, you know, ultimately when you testify, you can say things like, well, you know, I felt like that ambulance might be better served picking up somebody else who was, you know, maybe a hurt a lot worse than I was or, you know, things like that. And, and that's how you can communicate and make your uh, case better, especially if that's really the reason why you're making some of the decisions you're making. In any event, those initial injury reports by you will end up on that accident report, so you've got a day of record that not only helps you with what will be your property damage, fixing your wrecked car, getting a rental, um, or ultimately your car being totaled, but also about, yes, I was hit, and yes, I had some immediate symptoms of some kind of pain. And, you know, I've, I will talk about this on, on other episodes and have, that most doctors will agree that it takes 24 to 48 hours for you to feel the full effect. So you may go home, wake up the next morning and feel like a, you, you got run over by a train and, you know, uh, adrenaline from the accident scene is worn off. Um, and, and that is a common story that I hear all the time. So photographs, this happens all the time. You take pictures of your car later on when you get home. And you bring them up to my office and you say, hey, here's the property damage. And what you didn't do was take pictures of the other car because the way bumpers are designed, a lot of times the damage to the car is at the front of the car that hits you from behind. And it looks tremendously worse than, say, the back of your bumper that barely has a dent on it. And so you can imagine what's about to happen next, right? The insurance company, they have the pictures of, of their insurance car, but you don't. They don't have to give them to you. You send in your car's uh, bumper and it looks barely bent, and they say, You couldn't possibly have been injured because of this. Well, you know, that the cars, a lot of them today, have a plastic bumper casing with metal behind it. And most of the time, that plastic, you know, bumper assembly is, is, pushed in and pops right back out. You've seen it all the time and it leaves maybe a, a scratch or it leaves some type of, of gouge mark or cut, but that's simply where the bumper's been pushed into the metal behind it and it pops back out. And so um, it's an optical illusion if, if that's what they're relying on for how hard you, you could have been hit. The only way to counter that with a jury or somebody that you're trying to present your claim to is the, is the other car. Photographs of the damage where their front end is torn up. People can then believe and understand how hard you were hit from behind. And of course, most of the time it's unexpectedly. And whiplash, neck injuries are the predominant, you know, injury in many of the car wreck cases. And so 
those photographs of not only your car, which you'll have access to most of the time, but their car at the scene uh, is an important step in preventing yourself from being hurt twice. And as I say this, it's not what you did. It's some of the things that you might not do that might lead to your own being hurt twice. Um, Ultimately, you'll have to make a decision on a lawyer. Um, Ultimately, that leads to, um, you know, if you try to handle it on your own, if you try to get a lawyer, you know, did you make bad decisions there? Did you get hurt twice? But the focus of this episode uh, is really looking at the evidence that's at the scene and thinking about what could happen to me if I don't have a record of some of this information. Could it change? Could it evaporate, disappear forever? Well, it, it certainly could. Photographs of the other person's car, as I've told you, could be non-existent in the future. Um, people change their story. Um, there's no evidence uh, that you were hurt at the scene. Uh, if you didn't tell the officer, if you toughed it out. Um, so, you know, these are the reasons why, why we talk about these things like, hey, how can I make a permanent record and ensure that at least I get a fair evaluation of what happened to me? Um, and, and I think that's, you know, that and and the potential witness uh, that could c- confirm everything that occurred out there uh, probably gets you in a pretty good situation to leave the scene uh, after you've told the officer, you know, how you feel. And so uh, when you go away from there, you know, um, you've got photographs. And if the photographs were taken right, which when I say right, some people make the mistake of taking the photograph close up to the damage, and you can't really see its, its full impact. You see a one dent, and, and it doesn't show the extent and nature of the damage. I recommend when you get a copy or make a copy, uh, photograph in their car, is you get the license plate uh, inside the photograph. It gives you an additional way for somebody like my office and to go investigate that car to match if it's registered to that person on the accident report when it comes out, as well as the insurance card that you've been given. And if you've, got a, if you've photographed their driver's license, uh, then my office can run a, a driving license check to make sure you know it was, in fact, still valid. Uh, we can look for other tickets and accidents and, and crimes and start to um, you know, build a profile of this person in the event that this person uh, tries to act like later on to their insurance company that it was you that did something wrong. I usually go, well, you know, I don't know who they're going to believe, but it looks like you know, your person here has uh, you know, been convicted of uh, two felonies, had four tickets in the last two years. I said, you know, um, and, and oftentimes insurance companies are smart. They don't want to spend money when they know they're going to lose. And that's how you don't get hurt twice. Again, when you get to the scene, and you've probably been in an accident. For those that have been in an accident, you've done things a certain way. And now we've talked about this. And as you reflect, you, you either say, I did everything right, or you've heard something that's caused you to say, I'm going to do something different next time. And that's the hope of this podcast is to help people when they end up in my office or some other lawyer's office have done the things that they need to do to ensure that people who are not in the wrong, didn't do anything wrong, that got hurt by somebody else's negligence, um, you know, 
are, are, are held to that standard and not allowed to get away because of a mishap or a misunderstanding or something that wasn't done at the scene. Um, in the end, it's up to you to do the things that make your, uh, your chances or create the environment for you to be successful in, in getting what you want and, of course, uh, while we're here, not get hurt twice.